Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, and those fine people at Dive Bomb have given you a promo code, saving 10%. What is it, Jeff? Trump 2020. Trump 2020. You put that in at checkout, and you save yourself 10% off of the best silhouettes in the market, and not too distant future, I hear some floaters are coming out. So... You know, if you're a pigeon hunter, they got pigeon. Yeah, they got pigeon silhouettes out right now, and uh, later this summer they will be introducing their floater line. So go to divebombindustries.com, get everything that you need silhouette wise. Use the promo code Trump2020, and then come back later in the summer buy those floaters. Use the promo code again. This show is also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, direct to your door. Bismuth is back in style. Just takes one. Just takes one. You're not having, you know, if you're a good shot like I am, one shot, <laughs> killed, dead, no more uh, running after cripples and all that other fun stuff. Stone Cold killing them dead is what it is with one shot. And that's it. BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. Spinners are a necessity if you are a duck hunter. Lucky Duck has spinners. If you're a predator hunter, they've also got you covered there. Uh, turkey season just wrapped up, but hey never too early to buy your uh your next turkey decoy so go to luckyduck.com and you can get those spinners for this next coming season they've also got pigeon spinners so i guess everybody's shooting pigeon spinners will be awesome for the dove for the dove eh for the du- pigeon spinners will be same shooting the do- over the doves Ooh, look at there multi-purpose so go to luckyduck.com they've got all of your spinning wing decoy needs we're also brought to you by 737 duck calls the boys from Oklahoma make a mean duck call, a screamer. Get the old number one. It's a single read. I'm a single read kind of guy. I don't know about you, Jeff, but it's what I like. The old number one. Made in America, made in Oklahoma, shipped directly to your door. No big box stores to compete driving up those prices. It's a rock bottom price. Seven thirty seven. Made by great guys, great duck call, great product. Look them up. Get your duck call. Get your lanyard full of 737s. And this show is also brought to you by Athlon Optics, also a U.S. made. Athlon Optics is a proud U.S. sports optic product company devoted to designing and delivering superior quality optic products and outdoor accessories at a competitive price to you, the consumer. Athlon has strong engineering design capability, strategic alliances with quality manufacturers, and a streamlined, fully integrated supply chain. Whether you're shooting prairie dogs or scouting those geese or ducks the night before, Athlon Optics has a product that you need. So go to athlonoptics.com, get your binoculars, get your scopes. They've also got red dot sights. They got it all. If you need to look through it so you can shoot something or find something, Athlon Optics is the way to go. We're also brought to you by Sea Light LEDs. Light up the world. Great for bow fishing, great for hunting, great for just yard. Uh, in your pickup, you need some lights, uh, off-roading, four-wheeling, whatever it is, C-Light LEDs, the best C-Light, the C- best C-Lights out there, or the best lights out there. Best LED lights out best there. Best LED. It's, two, it's 2019. There's no sense in running around in the dark. Technology's too good. They've got it figured out. Competitive price, C-Light LEDs is the way to go. That way you're not fiddling around in the dark. Also, we're brought to you by William and Chris Wines, Texas wine at its finest. Chris is a good friend of ours, great client, also figured out how to make a hell of a wine. He's truly living the dream. He, he loves what he does, drinks wine every day, almost like uh, if, you're a wine, if you're a wine enthusiast and you get to make wine and do that every day, probably like being a hunter and getting to hunt every day. Williamandchriswines.com, they'll also ship it to your door. It's summertime. Summertime, it's wine drinking time, people. Yes, it is. Finally, last but not least, we are brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. You can take this one, Jeff. Um, holler at us if you're looking for a corporate dove hunt. Weekdays about all I've got left. i got some weekends left October. Stanfieldhunting.com. We can take care of you on dove hunt. Got teal season. We're going to have a lot of teal this year. Yes. Got weekday teal hunts available. You got four guys want to come up and do an inexpensive duck hunt in the morning. Shoot some teal in September. We can do a lodging breakfast and a morning teal hunt. That's stanfieldhunting.com. Call me for details at 940-658-3172. Alrighty, on this episode of the podcast, we're joined by the man behind the scenes at Dive Bomb. He's the one, he's the creative genius coming up with all this cool shit that you're putting out every morning. Uh, he's got, uh, Cody Stokes is who it is, before I go off rattling his accomplishments. 
Uh, they got floaters coming out. They've got uh, some different species of duck silhouettes that are coming out, about to hit the market, and uh, a couple other little goodies that uh, we talk about later on in the podcast. He's a great guy, great interview, always a, a good time talking to him. So anyway, here he is, Cody Stokes. Ready, Hefe? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver, and speaking of Dive Bomb, we've got the mastermind himself, the guy behind it all, Mr. Cody Stokes. How are you, sir? Great, guys. Thanks for having me on once again. Once again, yeah. fun show. We're excited. Uh, yeah, me too. And you should be excited. You've got a lot of shit coming out for this season. A lot we've of stuff. It. We got a lot. Of, we got a lot of stuff. I got a desk covered in uh, in samples and prototypes and drawings, and uh, just got a new 3D printer in here. This Mark Forge Onyx One. This thing is freaking awesome. And I got an intern in from Maryland, a Florida student by the name of Thomas, and uh, he and I are vibing pretty darn well. We're on week two, and we've got one major project project totally knocked out. And I know Asher teased it a little on Instagram tonight. It's uh, it's our new uh, it's our new steak punch. Or, you know, steak punch is such a lame name, but it looks like uh, like battleship esque, so the only struggle right now is figuring out what we're going to name it. So um, I don't know. We're thinking like Galactic Punch or Death Dagger, or <laughs> Dirt Dagger, Death or, Dagger, you know, Steak Spear, Dirt Dagger, Steak Spear. Gal- I think I'm honestly thinking that the Galactic Punch is probably going to be the front runner, and then we do some sort of spin on the shape of the head of it because it kind of kind of looks like something out of Star Wars, but but. Uh, no, but in particular, the steak is is really the steak punch is it's badass. It's a we've uh, this is our third version. You guys probably won't see version one or two, but it's a very refined version of the steak punch we've been playing with for a while. Uh, all machine laser cut components, uh, grade eight hardened um, steaks that are removable uh, on the on the on the bottom side, so you can run a two steak system for our silhouettes or single steak for. Uh, for the socks and it's just it's cool it screams quality and the price will be there uh, as it always is to to make it affordable for everyone so and you did this off the 3d printer uh we 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 laid the template for what we call uh the foot pegs on the 3d printer printer and traced them on quarter inch steel and then cut them out on our bandsaw and trimmed them on uh, trimmed them on the sander here and uh, everything else was we got lathe in a mill in house too so we turned we turned the handle we turned the uh, the main shaft we turned the the threaded uh inserts that go on the end similar to a bolt but they're not threaded uh, on the outside they're just uh they're stakes so they've got two different tapers one to go easily on the ground uh the other step is to make a nice channel in the ground for the stake and the third step is uh quite a steep taper and if you can get a hammer on top or get them in the ground hard enough. It'll leave a big enough opening. You don't have to get on your hands and knees and search for the hole. So we think it's we think it's a winner. I mean, one small step here. I mean, a steak punch, how excited can you get about it? But believe it or not, we're really excited about it. So. Well, at 5 o'clock in the morning, yeah, when no it's shit. 15 degrees, be pretty damn excited. We Down yep. here in the south, we don't deal with that all the time, but we have encountered that many times. But up north, it's an everyday Everyday hunt deal. What's something like that going to retail for, Cody? I think under under fifty dollars. I'd like to get it in the forty dollar range, but I think I think when you get it and you open the box and you see what you paid for, you're, you're just you're going to be thrilled. I it, mean, is that the number one thing that kind of comments come back? Because you know, a lot of guys you can use a rubber mallet. I mean, that's what I tell guys to do if they're hunting up north. Just carry a rubber mallet with you and pop it in the ground. It's no big deal. But is that the is that kind of the number one thing that that you guys wanted to address? Yeah, you know, north. we've we we uh, we do encourage customers to use a rubber mallet. If you slide the slide the body of the silhouette down all the way, uh, and basically slide the stake out almost, and then use the body of the decoy to kind of contain that stake and prevent it from flexing, you can hammer them in ice 
Yeah. But uh, if you get guys that run them hard, which we encourage you to do, and beat the hell out of them with a mallet, it's inevitable. I mean, that they're not they're not really built for that. Right. So we we encourage the use of the stake punch. You know, we've done warranty claims, even though we really don't have warranty. We're pretty soft on that kind of thing. But we encourage the use of this instead of the stake because it's really not designed for that. The stake's just effectively to to hold up the decoy. Um, And we built it tough so it can withstand that. But but no, the stake punch, we think, is is the answer. The only other thing we've got, we may have something mechanical coming out that will really help with ice and whatnot, but that's still in the works. Like, you know, a drill bit with two drills. you know, left-hand screw and a right-hand screw that <laughs> attaches to your driver, and you just drill right down in the hole. So, little gearbox. I don't know. Some cool stuff we're just playing around here with here. Yeah. So, so long term, get the punch. You know, quit beating up on your decoys. But uh, you know, get the punch, man. It's cool. I mean, very least, it hell, it's a hell of a sledge and hell of a. It's hell. It's like it looks like a rescue tool for a fire department. So, uh, it's cool in itself. Uh, and it, just one guy on one guy on the punch. One guy following behind with decoys, and you're screaming. It looks just so. like to me like a, that same kind of like a pogo stick. It does look like a pogo stick. I mean, that's uh, this is version three. Version four, I think we'll we'll make you a one-off, Jeff, and we'll put a spring in it so you can you can jump around in the field. <laughs> my, my big ass don't need to be jumping very far. <laughs> I pay to see that one. <laughs> well, now if we're going to really put some money on the deal, we I'll, do, I'll be like Tigger. I'll be bouncing all over that place. That's right. <laughs> but all right. It, what a perfect deal concept, though. It's easy to use. It's it's dummy proof and it's simple and it saves your back. As a big boy, I don't want to be bent, bending over using a damn mallet. Right. Right. And the big boy thing's funny. I've got my engineer here, and he's, he's a slender 6'2 guy. And, and uh, I told him, I'm like, you know, I went into this. On the first shorter shirt order I ever made, I bought, you know, 30% mediums, 65%, 70% small, and the remainder XL. And, hell, every our, our customers are primarily XL, 2 XL, all the way even up to 4, you know. So we know, we know what we're working with now. We're working with a bunch of big boys, so. <laughs> you, you know that's the way it is here. I don't hardly sell any small shirts unless it's yeah, for oh, women. Sure. Women, but it's <laughs> but I sell a lot of large shirts, and it goes from large to two X, three X, and four X. Yeah, it's wild. Now you're so. dealing you're dealing with guys that are that are successful, and they like to eat and drink and oh, be yeah. happy. And most of them aren't, most of them aren't going to the gym every day like Asher does. That's right. I'm surely not that way. So, so, so yeah, it's it's a good deal. Now. To to the thing that we've been teasing about the most, the floaters. Tell us about mm-hmm. the floaters. What can you tell us about the floaters? Is it still top secret? You, I, I can tell you anything you want to know. I run the place. Hell. When are they going to um, release? We'll have them in October. Ooh. October. It's um. We're going to run a small smaller batch. We don't really want to go all in on and run massive things. Uh, we don't typically run massive first runs of anything here. Uh, but we'll have some in October. We're going to have uh, a flocked head version and a non-flocked head version. They'll be sold in multiples of six. Uh, each six is an individual carving. We're not taking, you know, two carvings, lopping the heads off, and 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 having a carver just make, you know, different heads to throw on the body styles. There, six absolutely unique carvings, uh, gorgeous carvings. You you just die if you saw them in person. It's it's honestly breathtaking. I know it may sound a little lame, but no, not at all. Un- it is unbelievable what some of these guys can do with their hands, and and it, obviously, the guy we we've we have on board with us, he's world champion. He's you know been doing this for forty years of his life. I mean, it's just incredible. But no, we've uh, I went and scouted a bunch of competitions, carving competitions, and uh, sent feelers out to different guys I met and found one that uh, really wanted to work with us, and he's been a delight to work with. Um, and once again, created six all original carvings, uh, four of which are drakes, two of which are mallards, and varying head positions, and they're just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, uh, you know, they're never going to be as gorgeous as the carvings are themselves, but we've got a hell of a benchmark uh, to go off of when we compare them, uh, you know, and do quality procedures and and uh, work instructions on, you know, painting and assembly and so on and so forth. But the carvings themselves and the decoys should be second to none in the industry. Uh, and then below the waterline, we've got the keel, and we think we've got—I think we've got the coolest damn keel there ever was. Um, we got a keel that uh, you know that is built for uh, not 
it's not built for a fishing style rig, which basically is what most of the consumer uses. They use the big, big, uh, you know, cast lead and lead weight with a crimp and a steel piece of wire. And, you know, you got a hardy, hardy, strong, you know, decoy rig, but it's really not originally intended for duck hunting. I guess the weight more in itself. But anyway, we've got a, we've got a really, really cool weight that's over molded onto, uh, stainless steel braided cable. The cable's vinyl coated. And it integrates into the keel so that the system is is streamlined. Uh, we've eliminated eliminated the swivel, which I think is very cool. I think swivels are again fishing equipment, and uh, I don't think they're really needed. Uh, but the streamlined keel, uh, you just got to see it in person. It's so damn cool. Everyone that's walked in here and seen the seen the prototype sitting on my desk say that's one of the cooler things I've ever seen on a, on a decoy, and the weight's cool as heck and and again, all the products we've produced, you know, the, the key is here, we're not selling to retail companies. We take less margin and, you know, we don't have to go through a corporate purchasing, you know, meeting or, you know, slap anyone else's name on our stuff or co-brand with anyone. It's uh, whatever comes, uh, you know, out of the creative freedoms that we have here, we put straight in the product and uh, we let the consumer reap the benefit of it. So it's really, really cool thing. I mean, we can make a revision change or style change or color change or heck drop a product line or pick up a product product line within minutes here. So there's no hurdles. Uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's really cool to, to have a concept or be up at night thinking about something and, and put it in the 3d printer and prototype it and have it come to fruition within three to four months and have it, see it take off and uh it's it's just awesome so the floaters should be really really cool so look out for them uh you know we're probably going to release them once we know that they're complete and everything's okay with them probably august september for pre-sale so if you're interested in getting them i jump on them as soon as you can because in the past we sell a lot of stuff and you know we plan we can only plan so far ahead and we only have so much space and time and money to allocate to different products, uh, so get on them early. I, I hate to list stuff as back order or sold out, but that's just you know sometimes the way it goes. So. Well, and you're you know it's going to be a limited run anyway. So if oh, yeah. if you want these things, like you better get on it as soon as you guys announce anything. Absolutely, yep. With all, with all the products, you know. So we we really appreciate the outfitters and guides that come to us in July and and especially you know April and May, slower months, and say, hey, we got to get set up now. You know, we're not going to wait till August, September, October. But that's the way I operate. I, you know, I go out and I, I'm not too thrilled until I see the birds in the field or I feel the weather come in or, you know, I get my gun out or buy my permit. So I understand that. But it's nice to have people buy them in the off season and help with cash flow and, you know, turn and everything like that. So Now, how long does the carving process take on this? How many different, how many different carvings did you see before you, you finally settled on the ones so, that you're going to do? Carving process for me, uh, again, I went to carving competitions and I went on Sundays when the ribbon fell, the ribbons fall, and I think I explained this last time, but these guys are modest and when the judging goes, they, they can't have names on their on their carvings. So it's uh, anonymous and you, you got to kind of scout your way around, scout your way just as you would hunting away around the carving and seek out these carvers. Uh, I don't want to say they're introverted. They're all very been very, very nice guys, but they're, you know, normal guys that sit in a shop heck half their life and carve on wood mm -hmm. so i don't know it, you know it starts by finding the carver number one uh it starts then with a sketch so you you basically get together and you know i kind of opened up the drawing board to the carver and i said hey I, I, we need a six pack of mallards i'm thinking you know the drakes certainly stand out more than the hens do on the water so we need to be more drake oriented uh, I'd like a tall head, uh, a really tall skyscraper green head to get up out of the weeds or CRP or, you know, the grass and stuff and, uh, you know, anything else you want to throw out there. So we come up with six different heads, head positions and then he sketches them. So he'll send a sketch and, uh, it's a representative sample of what he's going to put down on the, put down on the wood. And, uh, you know, I critique it and say, I the head needs to be taller or, you know, I don't like the way this, this back is or so on and then we agree on a sketch and he carves it takes uh i think about four weeks three four weeks for carving to be completed and it you know it starts from a blanket tupelo i mean it's a, a block of wood he'll carve a profile drawing and a 
and I don't know what you call it, a front drawing, and he'll carve them on a bandsaw, and then he'll go to town. So that's insane. Uh, that he sorry. Can, that, I said that's insane. That, that it's he, insane. A blank it's piece of wood. It's absolutely insane. And I've got we we're going to do some time lapses here of the carvings he's done once we start releasing it. You know, short show the whole process from sketch to you know carve the. Uh, cutting it on the bandsaw and then the carving and the painting process. So that'll be really, just really cool. I've got a big file of the pictures and every once in a while I catch myself going back and, and watching the process. But, but, uh, no, we're last, last carving is complete. Uh, tooling on all this stuff is, you know, comes totally underway, full throttle running. Uh, the, the, the step files are 3d drawings for the keel and all that stuff are proofed and, and, uh, we're, we're rolling. So October is the release date for these things. The, presentation, the overall quality, some of the ingenuity in, in the keel, uh, it, ought to, it ought to impress everyone. So the goal, goal here is to, is to, to uh, undersell over deliver. So when the guy gets their product that they paid much less than they would elsewhere, uh, elsewhere, they don't expect too much. And when they get the package, open it up and see the presentation and the product in itself, everyone's thrilled. So, what's, what's the okay, magic question is, what's the cost going to mm-hmm. be on these? Still, that's still a variable. We'll see. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. With the limited run, we're, we're we're really not we're not going to make a ton of money if we do if we do make any at all. It's basically just you know figuring out where we are in the market. Uh, you know, getting some feedback on the initial product and seeing what we can do. You know, as far as uh, buying power and you know you know who knows if if our annual quantity is a thousand versus ten thousand. Obviously, we're we look at massive breaks in pricing so it's kind of up in the air but take your premium take your premium decoy uh and basically take 25 percent off of it and that's what you're going to get from us so all right i'll tell you what i'm excited about i'm excited about these pintails the pintail silhouettes oh, yeah yes. they're really cool Woof. yep and they look they absolutely they look phenomenal uh, and it's been a long time coming on these things but uh yeah they'll be here they'll be here by the end of the month and the pre-sale on these has been going crazy so we're already we're already booting up to to run more and uh, get them in stock for the season. So yeah, they're beautiful. So two drakes, two hands. Um, so with four positions, and that's uh, three apiece. So three three feeding hands, three feeding drakes, three feet three upright drakes, and three feeding uh, three feeding hens per dozen. And they look phenomenal in the field. And all the pictures, all all the products we have, you know. You see them in an office, you see them under, you know, normal, you know, halogen lamps or whatever they are, and they look okay. When you put them out in the sun and you put them out in the field and the setting as, as a duck would be, man, they look good. And then you take a picture of them and the pictures just really make them look good. So, yeah, they, it's, it's a cool thing, you know. I never, I never thought we'd get to the point where we have a pintail, you know, and a widgeon's probably somewhere coming you know, down the line. We've got a lot of, lot of, lot of requests for widgeons. Uh, especially the guys out west, and then um, uh, and then you know even a pigeon silhouette. So I'm looking at right now pigeon silhouettes on the floor of my office with a slightly redesigned stake. It's a little downsized, and you know six different positions and colorings for pigeons, and and um, and the pigeon will have a nice cute little bag. I think we're thinking like a gray color with a neon logo. Holds five dozen. Uh, it, it'll be cool. It'll be it'll be rad. You know who's going to buy a bunch of them? Texas Dove Who? Hunters. I hope so. They're going to buy cool. a bunch of them. We're going to run them this year. I can't wait because they're difference makers. And 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 it's funny the trending the trend in the dove season, dove hunting. I've noticed in the last ten years has been decoys spreads. Yeah. It used to be just yeah. you know at first it was the spinner and then it was a little bit of this the hard full bodied ones. Last year, you started seeing guys put a lot of decoys out, and these silhouettes are going to change that because they're easier, they're cheaper, and they're just they work better. Right, and the market, you know, it is a relatively up and coming thing here. I know it's it's been big in Europe for for eons, but here there's really not a lot of options out there. So I mean, it's a it's a pretty good pretty good opening for us. So we're hoping these are go gangbusters as always. But uh, you know, they'll be reasonable. Uh, same same material. The V twos, ever popular V two V two F Canada, we sell the heck out of. Same materials, you know, same material on the stake, same printing quality. Um, so, yeah, they're they're gorgeous. Really, I don't know if you've seen a couple of sneak peeks, but the feeder, feeder in particular, I mean, it's a big, it's chubby, you know, half strut, you know, pecking pecking pigeon, and it looks really cool. So, 
Now they're going to be they're going to be big in Texas. The the silhouette I can't stress to people on the pintail silhouettes the difference that's going to make on field duck hunting. Even if you don't have yeah. a lot of pintails where you are, the, oh, the, the, white, the white pulls them in. A duck's yep. quizzical anyways. You, mm-hmm. you, it's it's a ch- game changer, and everybody that's field duck hunting should have some some pintails. Like I said, if you don't have any there, buy a couple dozen just to have in your spread. I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah, they're gorgeous. So you know, we got pintail silhouette. So you know what's next? We're, we got uh, we've got a big sock line and increasing sock line. So we're now we're working on pintail sock. Ooh. So that ought to be, be pretty darn cool. So how so much pin- how much uh, input do whenever you release a new product? Mm-hmm. How much input do do you take from like guys? Uh, how much do you take to heart, and how much are you just like, ah, you know what, this, this way's better? Like, like if, uh, say you they know, want the head a little bit bigger or something like that, how much of that stuff do you take into consideration? You can get pushed different ways you shouldn't be getting pushed. Uh, you know, you've got to listen to the consumer. I mean, you have to listen to the consumer. If it's an overwhelming response on a design or uh you know, material or something like that, you obviously have to listen. But most of the consumer feedback that we listen to, obviously we get most of the feedback through, through sales. How well does a product sell? If it sells really well and you get one guy that says, hey, I want this change, it's like, yeah, you know, we think that it's it's all-encompassing product. It's made for the masses. You know, if that's something you want, we suggest, you know, turning on your blowtorch and blowing out a wire for yourself or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, a, most of these products were birthed via via customer requests. Sleeper honkers. Oh, we need we need sleeper silhouettes. Bad. We need sleepers. Heck, and I've listened to that for two and a half years, and and you know this has not been an overnight success. This is you know 2011. Heck, and even it, it started before that. I started selling these things on Craigslist. Is how this whole deal started. Uh, but you know, first couple of years just ran V2s, and then hey, we need a flock version, and I didn't really think too much of it, and you know started prototyping flock stuff and man it was a hit and this the sleeper was you know this is all stuff that shouldn't have had to have been pushed by consumers but they were just hungry for it you know give us another variation of the v2 give us another v2 variation of v2f and it's been all this stuff's been received really well i mean mallard socks went crazy uh the tall the tall socks that we have out there i'm not sure if you've played with those but those have been a big hit kind of a you know should have been something that could have been out you know 20 years ago so yeah that was definitely a definitely a chiming in from the consumer you know i need guys put full bodies on you know 36 inch 48 inch pieces of rebar inside their sock spread you know i get all these photos back from from guys that are hunting i'm like what are these full bodies doing in your sock spread like we gotta have something to hide under Mm -hmm. like well come on that's fine we'll beef up the steak and pump it up another foot and a half and we're done so do you ever think like God? Why did? Why the fuck didn't I think of this the first time? Absolutely, yeah. So with almost you know, everything, evo- it's, it's just a. It's everything is an evolution. You know, it's an evolution. This business, I never intended it to be as big as it is. Not that we're behemoth or anything, but it's it's evolved. The products evolved. You know, uh, you know. V1, V2, you know, the V2 Canada is labeled the V2 because it's the second first. So the first ones we ever sold, you know, they were they were literally a carbon copy of a picture of the geese that I took at a park here locally in St. Louis. And, you know, feedback came in from the consumer, as you mentioned, Andy, and we modified the neck, we, we improved the neck, we improved the material, we turned the lights pure white, uh, we added a little more contrast, the steel we changed, so it's all an evolution, you know. At the end of the day, you can sit in your office and you can think and ponder and engineer and, you know, oh, it's never going to be perfect, because it's never going to be perfect. It's all about continuous improvement. So at the end of the day, you got to release a version, you know, give it your best effort, and you're going to get more feedback in that first run, probably the first week of release than you'll ever, you've ever anticipated, and you make changes on that. So all the product here not set in stone it can continually evolve and that's the way it should be so and that just goes to your temperament because i would have a hard time just knowing my temperament like i wouldn't know what was bullshit and then i wouldn't know what like actually needed attention but i guess if you just go by the numbers then it, it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious but and then ask, ask, ask asher the tone and callers when some if something breaks or if something's wrong you can tell when people mean business i mean 
Yeah. Get something else. Send out 200,000 of, of something that's going to break, and boy, you got a problem. <laughs> Guys get pissy with their, uh, with their uh, investments. And right, yeah, and rightfully and right, so. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So another thing, you know, we can do here is you don't have to jump through hurdles. In fact, if you got a, if you have a real problem, anything, whatever, anything we ever have, I mean, we we should be jumping on it. If we're not, then Asher and I need to have a discussion. But I know he's doing that, and I know we take care of people pretty darn well. So your customer service is top notch. I mean, I've I've heard from so many different guys. I've read so many different things. Um, needed steaks got steak you know steaks were sent out the next day i mean i you know your your customer service is is second to none i mean I think and, that, and that's pretty you know that's that's pretty well established on the on the know, interweb the, the kid the kid who has his mom call in to make his order because he's not old enough to have a credit card or bank <laughs> account or any of that stuff you know it's 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 a it's an honor it really is because i was that kid once you know and guys that you know order the shirts and order the apparel and you know the logo is cool i think it's pretty darn cool but it's just it it's awesome that people you know not want to wear it because they should i mean it's just it's really an honor that something you you draw on a napkin or create out of nowhere people people want to wear it and support it and uh, and are proud of it so it's just it's a never did i imagine it would be like this uh popularity wise and uh it's just a thrill it's a genuine thrill it's because you have a good product that's the bottom line to the whole deal i appreciate that jeff i mean that's that's the bottom line to the whole deal i mean there's guys that market this and market that but their product don't stand up for it your product is better than your marketing and you have great marketing i mean it it speaks for itself and that's why and y'all's customer service i mean there's not very many companies you can call anymore and actually talk to someone right and, and we ran we ran this without a phone for the first five years, and, and I swore to high heavens we were not going to get a phone. Because, you know, the consumer wants to call in, and then you end up snowballing into, you know, the last 15 years of each other's life, and <laughs> you're, you're two hours into a phone call, and you're like, holy shit, I've, I've missed eight calls, and uh, I've got all this paper desk full of paperwork and so on and so forth but that's it's fun it's fun calling up and hearing people's successes and what they like about it and how they found us and and all that kind of stuff and then you know the guys that come come through here every so often you know we don't really publish publish we have an open shop for people to roll through but people do people come in with their trailers and load up and we let them run through the, the we give them a little swag bag go out and pick some stuff out and some hats and shirts and stuff and it's fun seeing people's eyes light up and say, "Hey, yeah, grab a shirt or hat." You know, no way, yeah. you're serious. Like, of course, go on. What are you waiting for? Right. So, especially the kids. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, I want to know how much time in your day do you spend devoted to coming up with new products, and then how much time do you spend um, kind of tackling the product that is next in your line? Well, the most difficult thing we've got here is for is forecasting because this. The growth in these products is all over the place. I mean, new product, heck, it could take two years before it really catches traction. It's, these products are catching traction faster than they ever were. But, you know, it's just hard. Ever, all, all of our suppliers, oh, we need a, we need a forecaster. we gotta, we got to know what you're going to sell next year because we can't, we can't be working two shifts. Or, you know, we've got to try to fit, it, fit in other things at the same time. I'm like, listen, these are these are educated guesses they're forecasts there's no way of telling other than historical data and you know who has that data all of our suppliers i mean they they know what we've ordered over the last eight years and and so on so it's uh the most difficult part is is creating a forecast for what we're potentially going to sell we obviously don't want to have too much inventory and cash tied up uh but uh, we can't run out of product like we have in the past i mean we've ran out of V2s and V2S. Heck, we ran, we ran back order, pre-order almost the majority of the season last year because we couldn't keep them in stock. So we uh, we we're in twenty thousand square feet, and we've just uh, leased another building down the road from us that houses the sheriff and a bass boat, the diesel truck, and uh, also another ten thousand square feet of product. So it is so packed right now in that ten thousand square feet. I mean, you can barely get a pallet jack through the place. So sales are picking up. Uh, hoping to see some, you know, inventory turn, and and uh, then we got the main warehouse here, and we got pallet racks to the ceiling, and a crazy forklift called an Isle Master out of Ireland. So we shrunk our aisles from twenty three feet to seven and a half feet, 
and the forklift has an oscillating mass. It's really cool, pretty pretty high end, expensive forklift. But we doubled our footprint here, and then again we got that other building down the road. So we're growing. Hopefully next year we're in forty thousand, and uh, and then up from there. So you know, we got a laundry laundry list of products. You know, we try to keep kind of tight lipped because a lot of people watching probably listening uh, and seeing what we're going to do next. But uh, yeah. It's got got a lot of stuff going. It's crazy cool. Yeah, it's, got, been, uh, it's been hard not to let some things slip a few times when we talk about stuff. Yeah, really, uh, really. But but no, eventually it's got to got to all come out, and it's probably not too much of a secret what's what's all coming because you know. Anyway, what's the situation but, with the river? Y'all, the flooding going down? It's it's been bad. Uh, my dad has 160 acres in West Dalton, uh, which is like the peninsula. It's peninsula sandwiched between Missouri and the and the Mississippi, basically the confluence is just down the street. We'd ride ride the Ranger down and go look at the two rivers come together all the time. But heck, he's a he's well underwater. Man, he just bought a uh, brand new John Deere. It's sitting underwater, and oh. I mean, I'm talking nice deer. And uh, we got a Kubota out there. This Ranger I bought, it's been just boot through hell and back. I bought this rain this little 570 Ranger. Heck, it got stolen. They recovered it in a drug raid. Uh, <laughs> drug runners are using a ranger, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, heck, I, hell, it was impounded with all four tires flat, so went and picked it up and <laughs> fixed it all up. And, uh, heck, you know, 4th of July, we're out cruising on top of a levee, and uh, the engine the engine light comes on, and my friend goes, holy shit, it's on fire. <laughs> so, oh, no. So it burned down once. Heck, I've got, I've got it's, it's a, you know, it's a, not, it's not that crazy. It's not even power steer. It's a 570 Ranger, you know, kind of a smaller one. Heck, we, it was on fire. We, we pushed it. We were trying to roll it down the levee, and they're like, hell, put it in neutral. Push it down the levee so it goes screaming down the levee, a ball of fire into a soybean field. <laughs> and, you know, the, God's honest truth is there wasn't a there wasn't a slew or puddle in sight. Well, there was, but it was like 400 yards away. Heck, my friend and I, we just about sat down and cracked open a beer and watched it burn. Just watch it burn. But one of the one of the kids that was with us, heck he he grabbed a, a big gulp cup out of the bed out of the bed of it, took a piss in it, and bullseyed the engine. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and it it literally it, it put put the majority of the fire on the on the oil that was uh, around the engine block out. And we all ran down to the slough and filled up the cups and cans with uh, water and managed to put it out. But but no fire, and then uh, so that was I don't know how many thousands of dollars in repair, and, and now it's sitting underwater. So as soon as it dries out, I'll have to resurrect it for the third time. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Now, now that, that area between those the Mississippi, that's got to be some damn good duck hunting right there. It's uh, it's marginal. There's not a there's not a bunch of water and not a bunch of rest there. If it gets water, and it gets really cold. If it gets cold as hell, man, they come in and feed dry there. We don't see a lot of that here because we got so much flooded corn. So much open water, uh, but uh, a little bit north of there is a really good area, Portage to Sioux, and then a little bit uh, southwest of there uh, is where the, the big old you know thousand acre refuges they call them the, the what do they call them the buffalo buffalo wallows or something where the buffalo used to go in and keep the water open and stomp the dirt down and keep the keep the water from seeping in the ground. So the the birds are, have imprinted on those. Portage and then a little bit west of there, they've been running there forever and ever. But but the confluence has migratory bird sanctuary. But the birds there, there's not that many, and they get trained real quick. Uh, the the birds here are nocturnal, and they go nocturnal fast. So is there going to be? Have they gotten much corn in, or is it going to be really lean in that area? There, are, I don't. I would doubt anyone's going to have corn. It's going to be I mean, even the even the highest even the highest ground. I think Portage is pretty high. I don't think they're going to have corn at all. So it ought to be awesome. I would think it's just going to throw a total curveball. I mean, the, the spot I've got to, you know, is, is slammed between two refuges, and the only time they leave that path is when it gets cold and there's open corn. So if there's no open corn, then hopefully they just stay on that path and we run traffic for the whole season, whereas usually they turn off come early first week of December and just go straight to the corn and back. So It's going to be a so, different year this year for the waterfowl because yeah. it's so widespread, The corn, you know, the lack of food. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I'm really excited. So, you know, hope hope, hope a couple of farmers are just kind of fed up with the, with the flood and want to sell and hopefully pick up some pick up some more land or something. That'd be pretty go. cool. So, pennies on the dollar. Have you seen the guys in Louisiana uh, bitching about uh, 
Missouri yeah. holding all the ducks. That's been going on for that's been going on in Saint, the St. Louis area for a hundred years. That's nothing new here. That's this is all majority of majority of St. Louis is the, the surrounding county where St. Charles County is clubbed up. And, you know, it's old clubs, old money, and uh, you know, pay to play, and they've been putting in corn for I, I would I would argue over well over a hundred years. I just I this it, this is going to be a year. It's either gonna it's either gonna prove or debunk. <laughs> A lot of those theories that those guys down south are throwing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt because it's everywhere. Um, I talked to a guy in Kansas City the other day, and he told me that between Kansas City and uh, and Omaha, I guess on the Missouri River, most that's where there's, I guess there's a lot of hunt clubs there, and I didn't realize that, and a lot of them all flood corn, and he said they don't, they're not going to have anything this year. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. Probably go to probably go. Uh, you be fighting over uh, emerging wetlands, and probably just be a bunch of old ancestral stuff. Is probably what you'll see. I hope. I so think. I had it. I had it. La- go ahead. Last time that we had a real major change in the weather or anything like would have been way back in the early '80s. We had a major change. We had a huge hard winter, and a lot of birds from eastern Colorado, the small Canadas, came to our area, and we had a lot of peanuts. And up until that time, we didn't have many geese here. And since then, we've been covered up with them ever since. And that was because of a weather a weather turn. And so there probably will be some long-term changes from this year, and who knows where it will be or what, what it can be. But there will there will be some birds that will go to different areas that will find it, that will be brand-new birds. Now, I've heard the hatches – I don't I haven't heard officially if the hatch is good or not. I've heard that they're having some problems this year. But if it's a – I hear there's no water. That What? I hear there's no water. That's up there. what I'm hearing too. I haven't had anything. I talked to a guy just up uh, north of Saskatoon the other day, and he said there's no water at all. So yeah, all the birds have moved further north and further west. So it's going to be an interesting on the ducks, especially especially those birds out of that prairie pothole region. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think so. But uh, you know, on that on that duck migrations and patterns and all that stuff, I had a really interesting guy come in my office the other day. Uh, habitat manager, Graph Habitat. I'm not sure if you heard of him, but he pulled he, he pulled out these maps. He's working on a project. He pulled out maps from the 1800s, uh, old like I don't even know what what they're they're called. But old maps that detail the original lay of the land, the, the old oxbow sloughs, the old potholes and stuff. This is in north central Missouri. Uh, you know to show what the what the what the ground originally looked like forever and ever and what the ducks were used to seeing and and uh buying up that property and converting it back to what it was and what the ducks know and have known for thousands and thousands of years. I just thought that was cool as hell. Missouri is the one of the true wintering grounds for for, for waterfowl. I mean a natural, historical and I think a lot of the birds that stayed in Missouri forever when Missouri didn't have all the food and all this stuff, got bumped to Louisiana and Arkansas, and they put in all the rice, and that changed a lot of that stuff. But I think historically going back, Missouri was one of the great – because you always have ducks no matter what the winter is because you get enough winter that y'all have ducks, and we don't get winters enough ways to push them out where they're just naturally going to stay there. And you got the Missouri and the Mississippi right there. Yeah. It's just a big funnel down the, down the Alluvial Valley and then Arkansas. It's all madness. So, So – when? How much do you get to hunt? That's what I want to know because it, it it seems like you're stuck in the office too much. I am. Well, you know, it's a it's a trade off. You know, you can. I got. I get invites all the time. I'm sure. I'm flattered, flattered to death. The second I leave this place, I feel like everyone's kind of not not on a holiday. I don't want to say that. <laughs> But it's there's not the, the intensity isn't here and the push isn't here. Everyone needs a push. Right. I need a push. I've I've have I have a really pushy father, uh, you know, and I and I probably wouldn't be anywhere with this company had it not been for him saying, you know, my whole life quit, don't quit. You know, he's a perfectionist and has tried to push that on me as much as humanly possible. So people here definitely need a push. And if I'm not here, then, you know, oh, it's not important if Tom's Tom's order goes out at 2.30, you know, we'll get it tomorrow. That doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're staying here until the last package is, is taped. And, you know, if you miss the pickup, you're going to pack your Mini Cooper full of decoys and you're going to drive them to the store. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. So, you know, that, that kind of dedication, 
you know, if you get an awesome manager, which which I have here, I think I've got some of the better managers and and uh, here that I've ever had in my life. But you know, it really takes an owner and someone having ownership and someone having everything they've got on the line to really push everyone to the next level. So me going out in the field and, and creating relationships is, is invaluable. That's absolutely the best thing I could probably be doing. But I've got it's got there's gotta be a balance. Yeah. So you know, I've got an Asher, I, we've got uh, Nick Nick Costas coming on board who's gonna do video, uh and then I've got a, another little thing going up my sleeve up up my sleeve that's gonna be really cool. Uh, more to come on that. I can't really expose much, but We've got a new. We've got the we've got the big diesel truck. We've got the Sherp, and we've got one other vehicle, or however you want to, however you might classify it, coming this year. That's going to be very cool. So more cool than the Sherp. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Sherp's cool, but this yeah. is this is like jaw dropping. This should be pretty darn sweet. I we I got to ride in that in that Sherp thing and. When when he took it, I didn't realize how light it was because uh, yeah. it had been rain. It, it was a wet year. It was miserable, and uh, he takes this thing off the trailer, and we're he's like, "All right, let's go find the spot." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, we're gonna run up this farmer's field. It's gonna be terrible." You couldn't even tell we drove in that in that place. It was insane. Right. You know, massive massive tires, sixty inch sixty inches sixty inches tall, thirty inches wide. Uh, you know, and they're very low pressure and the unit only weighs 2,800 pounds. Uh, yeah. So how uh, it goes, heck, and, and you know, it floats at any depth of water, that thing will go in. It does five miles an hour on land, 25 or five miles an hour on water, 25, 25 on land. And it's fuel efficient as all get out. And it's a head turner. I mean, it's, it's really done. It's, it's really pulled its own weight. I mean, we got that thing wrapped. Uh, we take it on the road and heck, you go in the gas station for five minutes. You come out. You got all the fire departments pulled over, hanging on it. The, you know, all the kids are out of their car getting their picture in it. And you, you know, you go and you say, hey, "Yeah, this is mine." Hop in the front seat. Let Dad get a picture. And Dad, next thing you know, Dad's in there with the kid. And uh, and that's uh, pretty cool. It's, uh, uh, Ash, it's a lot of fun. Asher met us at uh, our our meeting spot in Oklahoma is at the Walmart, and he would pull up with that thing, and you know, the Walmart crowd anyway. And it's got these big fucking tires, and like every one of them's got like four teeth in their head, and they love it. They're just eating it up. Oh, all our oh, yeah. friends in Hobart's gonna be so proud, of Andy. Oh, well. They called me. <laughs> Carrie called me from the beauty shop. She's like, "Do you know anything about this this contraption that's up at the Walmart?" <laughs> contraption. <laughs> I said, "Yeah." She goes, "It's got Contrap- dive, she goes dive bomb on it." I said, "Yeah, that's Asher and them guys. They're hunting with it. They're with us." Oh, okay, that's really cool. I said, "Go up and take. A, you can get your picture made with it and stuff." Oh, I don't want to bother them, so I'm gonna bother them oh. at all. Come on and bother us. That's what it's for. Yeah. I didn't bother, know she, the heck out, bother the heck out of her, Asher, will you? Yeah, I didn't know she was going to have to wade through people with four teeth in their mouth. Oh, it was out. insane. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I thought we were going to have to get the cops to get us rolling on the road again. That's funny. There were there were cars with halfway, you know, probably were on blocks in their lifetime. People were jumping out, wanting to get, it was like, <laughs> son of a bitch. We're never going to get to the spot. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I, when I do travel or if I do travel or go to an outfitter, you know, I always bring a, I always brought in the past a box full of, you know, merchandise or goodies or whatever mm-hmm. and pass it out and you just see the people's look on their face. Like, do you own this company? Really? You know, I, one time I walked into a lodge and heck, everyone in there almost had dive bomb on. I'm like, did, did the owner of the lodge give you this? They're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like, where'd you get it? They go, we bought it online. I'm like, I love you guys. Yeah. You know, here's. Here's three more hats apiece and everything else, and just thrilled to death. And you know, a lot of the a lot of the clients, heck, they got my number, and we we're kind of just become friends through that. But bringing something like the shirt to you know an outfitter like you, uh, you know, if the hunt is great, you know, ride out in the shirt and enjoy it. If the hunt's not as great, hell, you've got the shirt to mess around with all damn day. Yeah. You know, go have a damn riot. Let let the kid drive or go dump it in the water, and you know, put a smile on everyone else's face and you know, get some, some branding by the sheriff out there for dive bomb. And it's a win-win. So that's, that's some of the fun things you can do with, you know, having your own company, your own company and being it, not having a boss is really it. Like everyone, when I looked at getting this shirt, was like, yeah, you damn mind. And then we got it. And the response was, was so awesome. Everyone was like, you're, you're brilliant. I'm like, no, I'm not brilliant, <laughs> but come on, you know, worst what? case scenario, you, you sell the shirt. Yeah. Well, Jeff, you need to get a shirt. It'll, you know, those days where I kind of suck it up in the field, 
At least, yeah, we, got I mean, the, come at least on. we got the Sherp there. The problem with that is, is you say it can't be tore up, but you've never met Blake Poppy. He fucking <laughs> <laughs> he got out of that thing, and he's a he's a larger guy, and uh, he fucking ate dust. He, I mean, he ate it. Back leg got oh, caught what? in the back leg got <laughs> caught on the thing, and he like Tommy voided out of that. Like he was flipping, <laughs> and he flat backs it on the ground. It was oh, the funniest boy. thing ever because he's exactly like Tommy Boy. You watch that movie? That is Blake Poppy, and does nothing oh. gracefully. Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, all those Chris Farley's are classic. Yeah, awesome. I mean, yep. he just he just like a cannon, cannon. What's that? Oh, I'm just naming, rattling off the, all the Tommy or Chris Farley movies that are hilarious. You oh, know, was it? it was Tommy Tom, uh, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep. What was the other one? Beverly Hills Ninja. I thought was pretty damn funny. Thought that I was funny for that one, but that was great that white, was a good the great one. white ninja. He was a funny. Hey. He was a funny guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, him and John Belushi both. I uh, I saw something on him just not not too. It was about a week or so ago, and they think he had OCD. Who? Chris Farley. <laughs> I believe it. He would uh, when he would go out for the SNL, and he would touch. I guess they've got like pictures lining the hallway, and he would like pat every one of them as he went by, and like he'd lick his fingers and stuff, and then like he'd pat. That's weird. But yeah, he was he was a weird guy. But I he mean, was a funny son bitch though. Mm-hmm. But what a what a tragic ending though. I know, it's terrible. I mean, you got the world, but I guess, you know, he never thought he was good enough, or I guess he always thought he was going to jump the shark. Because I don't think Beverly Hills Ninja did so great. Might, you yeah. know, you might have got I a chuckle the, out of it. The last, the last one was American Heroes, and that was kind of a, it was a push. I don't know if many people saw that one. But anyway. I didn't um, see that one. Whatever else. I got a list of other stuff here. You want me to go over a few more things? Go yeah. over some stuff for us. Uh, so we have a crane silhouette. And it's it's popular as heck. We need a crane sock, so we're going to have uh, hopefully a crane sock by this October also. So uh, it's going to use the same backbone system as the S5, which is the tall sock. Um, it's going to have a little longer backbone because the sock's going to be bigger, but it's got the beefed-up longer stake. Uh, it'll have two head positions and a detailed Tyvek sock. And then the mouth on our socks, I don't know. I know you guys have messed with them, but, you know, Predominantly, every sock out there uses a, a strapping material, which is basically a recycled material that is very inexpensive and very low quality. And the problem, main problem with that material is it retains a memory. So take your fishing line, for instance. You leave it on the reel you know, for a year and put it out in the sun, it's going to come out in coils because it's retained a memory. Well, the material we use for our sock does not hold a memory. So you can throw them in a, in a bag, a box, you know, our bag, whatever bag it is, and jam them full, keep them out in the summer in a trailer, throw them in, you know, cold of winter, and when you pull them back out of the bag come, you know, the fall, they're going to be as they were when they came out of the box. I mean, I can't tell you they're not going to be dirty or covered in blood, but uh, they're going to hold their original open mouth, which inevitably uh, keeps the sock open to collect as much wind as possible. So it'll inflate the sock. It'll keep the sock moving. It'll make the sock, you know, spin and so on and so forth and just create the largest target for the bird to see. So the the crane sock will have the same style mouth. Uh, and then we move on to S3. S3 is our standard line of, of uh, socks. So we've got them in basically everything we make. Ballard, Honker, Spec, um, uh, Blue, Juvie. Uh, we're going to have the S3i eventually this year which is a slightly improved version of the S3. It's going to have a couple upright heads mixed in there. The backbone is slightly shortened. The, the loop and the tail of the backbone is larger to prevent it from poking through the back uh, the back of the sock. You use these things every day. You collect, open them, collapse them, open them, collapse them. Uh, they just inevitably wear out. Uh, so hopefully it'll prevent the sock wearing. And um, what the heck else? Um and then I mentioned the pintail. Uh, it'll be S. It'll be an S three I pintail, and um, that's pretty much it for for decoy line. And inevitably, if the the floater is a success, the mallard floater will move into the honkers and uh, have hopefully everything else down the line. So, um, constantly aiming, constantly aiming. Yeah, and then the big the big push here, at least uh, this summer, is is real is is some innovation, uh, real innovation. So we've got some. Yeah, cool concepts we're throwing around for retrieving retrieving equipment uh 
you know, motion is obviously it's been on the drawing board here for the last three years. Uh, you know, we've prototyped a number of things, a rotary, a spinner, all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, I think the design, uh, the design we actually prototyped here for a spinner is going to knock it out of the park. Uh, I would be nervous if I were everyone else. Um, <laughs> it's going to be really freaking cool. Yeah, really cool, ultra high end and, you know, from the carving to the materials to the tolerances and, and the components, it should just be a total success um, and the ruggedness. And then there's uh, something we're going to have to get uh, intellectual property rights on, you know, patent on, because I think it's just going to be lifted as soon as it comes out on the market. So very excited here. Um, and then last but not least, uh, we've always looked at a soft goods line or a gear line. So we've thrown around the idea of, you know, introducing high end, high end uh, coats, pants, you know, gear uh, out there. So messing around with camouflage patterns, we've been playing with different materials, uh, different, different. Um, gosh, what is, what is it even called? Different layering of of materials and membranes is what I'm looking for. Membranes that go inside the coats. So uh, from all different countries, all you know, different regions and and. Uh, sourcing the best components for these coats, the zippers, the Velcro, the membrane, uh, the workmanship, the, 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 uh, the taping on the inside, you know, customizing each little component to give the consumer something very, very cool, original, um, and that just screams quality again. So look for something, hopefully this fall, uh, gear-wise, you know, we're not going to come out of the gate with 10 different, 10 different uh, you know, outfits or, or coats or pants, but uh, we're going to probably start an introduction into that stuff come this fall so how close pretty exci- i mean are, pretty excited about it is your is your camo line is it pretty is it pretty well finalized or, or, it, or are you still kind of tinkering a little bit no i think i think it'll probably be a pretty big surprise when it comes out so we've got uh nuts and bolts down on it there's a few finishing touches and and hurdles you have to jump through with uh, you know size of product run and things like that. But for the most part, it's ironed. It's been it's been in the background for going for two or three years even. So a lot of testing, a lot of prototyping. Heck, I've been in the shower with these all these clothes on and clothes on and and uh, hose down a bunch of guys in the warehouse here. And you know, the only thing know. is that I can tell you mm-hmm. is make sure the zipper. And we talked to Asher about this a little bit. Make sure that the zipper, because the, the sand out here, that's the first thing that goes on these piece of shit things that you buy now is the zipper. And there's nothing more frustrating than trying to get that thing up or down in the morning when your fingers are cold and it yep. goes out on you. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, that, you wouldn't believe how many rain jackets out there aren't waterproof. Really? I'm shocked. I mean, half the stuff you half the stuff you buy has a certain permeability to it. Uh, and then in the, after that, you know, if, if if it is impermeable, if you wash it six or eight times, the membrane inside of it. So it's it's a the membrane is the key component here. Inside the membrane, it's it should be permeability should be one way. You know, let the let the water escape from inside and not let the water come through from the outside. But once you've washed this, you, you're basically breaking down that membrane over time. So you should see small lines. You shouldn't see small lines, but you probably will in a lot of these. A lot of coats that are out there, and that's basically the break breakdown of the membrane inside that coat uh, that will eventually eventually fail. So that's one of the main things we're focusing on. Uh, there's some bigger players in the industry that do zippers, and you've got to kind of lean on their technology and their latest and greatest. And then the, above above all, if he, Andy Shaver gets a coat and his zipper fails, don't argue with Andy. Send him a new jacket. Well, it's always the bibs because you're going in and out of your blind and yeah. stuff. It's ne- I I don't. It's never really the jacket. It's always those fucking on your leg. Those, those bib bib zippers are just shit. It's because they're full yeah. of mud all the time. Well, yeah. And we're gonna have some plus size for the overly sized man, right? <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's wanting camouflage. So how you know you said this was two or three years in the making? How much time do you devote to this as it's coming, or do you just kind of get a new idea and then go back to the camouflage? How how does all that work? It, you know, you get to a certain point and you kind of hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or you're not happy with what what materials you're being presented, or or what's going on, and it kind of get kind of goes into a hover or stall or whatever you want to say. 
and then uh, everyone around you will kind of get the, the gist, you know, especially material suppliers. Hey, you know, this guy's not going to budge on this material. What's what's another option? Or we've got to prototype it again. Or he's not happy. You know, it's the first sample you ever get from anywhere is never going to be as good as it could be. You know, so it's always to push the envelope. So we want to push that before it gets to the consumer. So you know, presented a sample or we get prototypes and we test them here and they go through revision changes just like everything does in this world. So it's basically just revision, revision, revision until we can finally get something that we're comfortable with releasing that we're confident that the consumer is going to be thrilled with. So if they're not thrilled, we're not going to be happy. So that's basically how it goes. And, you know, you'll get to on a design, you can get to a roadblock and you'll think there's no way out. And then all of a sudden you'll be out doing something totally off the wall and it'll come to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you just never know, or you'll see something. A lot of a lot of engineering is borrowed, um, so you'll see something in a totally different application. You know, uh, I'm involved. I like watching the geeky shows, how it's made, or you know, going to see other people's operations, manufacturing facilities specifically, and you'll see something they're doing on the line. You'll see something that their engineering team has done, and you'll say that could cross over into our application. You know, why why didn't we design it that way? So. Yeah, I don't know. None of this stuff happens overnight. So I gotta. I mean, it's just it's got to be because because your line, you know, you you've got such a a, a big company now. Like it, it's got to just be tiring to maintain that, but then also come up with new shit and always come up with better stuff. I just the balance that you strike, it, it's it's amazing. So it's it's a uh, it's Asher it's Asher constantly pushing. We got to have this. People are always asking for it, and, and you know, obviously he wants everything now. And I obviously <laughs> appreciate the push. I appreciate the push, but this stuff it doesn't come fast. You know, it just doesn't. So none none of this stuff's overnight. Uh, but there's got to be someone there again. Going back to being pushed, there's got to be someone there pushing, pushing creativity and and uh, and the new designs and new products. And that's the only way this company will continue to grow. You know, we wouldn't be where we were if we just stopped with the V2 Canada. So right. if the company's going to grow, the product line inevitably has to grow. So, so that's, uh, that, that's what my main focus is here, really. So When you're out in the field, the days that you do, mm-hmm. that you do get to go, I mean, mm-hmm. is your mind, can you turn uh, boss Cody off and just enjoy the hunt? Or are you constantly getting updates from the shop and, and thinking of everything that you got to get done? You'll see. I'll come. I'll come to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a blast. Well, I hope that you do. Hunting yeah, season's just we'll, right around the corner. We'll have an. I know Asher's got you on the schedule. And I told him I'm coming. So November so, or January or both. You, you will see. You will see Cody out of the office firsthand. A weekday may be a little bit different, but if you catch me on Saturday or Sunday and you guys are cool and I'm feeling it, we're going to have a damn good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Before, well, after, during the hunt, in everything. Someone may have to scrape me off the couch in the morning, depending on how late we partake, but, you know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you got everything going on. You got a hell of a product, and uh, we've taken up a lot of your time. It sounds like, you know, you could have been doing something a little bit more productive than talking to a bunch of rednecks, but we do no. appreciate what you – we do appreciate your time, and we appreciate uh, – Everything that you've done for us, all the support to this podcast and yeah. everything, man. You guys shouldn't be overlooked. What a success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I Googled you right before this. I told you before we got on the phone, but 486 ratings, 4.9, and there's that one guy that Andy pissed off on a hunt. I <laughs> probably gave him, I gave him that one star. You just should have just bit his lip. Yeah. Damn well, it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've come out pretty harsh co- uh, against a couple things, so... Uh, I've I've, I've learned this. I've watched Asher handle some of these online relationships, and I think to myself, "What are you What are you doing arguing with this person?" <laughs> you know, he's like, "I couldn't take it anymore," and I gotta kind of give him this, you know, his lateral movements there. And nine out of ten times, that kid comes around, and that customer turns into one of our better customers, and it turns into you know, Mister Respectful and Responsive and Contributor. And sometimes, you know, again, back to the push. So. That's right. Well, you got a hell of a product. We hope to see you this winter. Uh, DiveBombIndustries.com. It doesn't get a whole lot uh, more simple than that. Yep. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. It's hey. always, always a great time here, and thank you guys. Cody, thank you, and we appreciate the partnership with Dive Bomb. Y'all have been great for us, and we look forward to many more years of this. We'll keep it going, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Hey, thank hey. you, sir. See you, bud. Thank Bye. you. Bye. He's got a lot of shit going on. Boy, he He's on the top of his game right now.
They got good stuff. Gosh almighty, everything they do come out with is awesome. I mean, just sets the world on fire. They've pissed the other decoy companies off, I know oh, that. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. The full bodies, it was a fever pitch to get full bodies. There was a, and I don't, you know, they're, they're still full body companies, don't get me wrong, but I tell you what, showing that, that silhouettes work and that you can kill a lot of birds over silhouettes that are, you know, easy to store, easy to take out, set up, all that good stuff. It's hurting those. It's hurting them. It's hurting them big time. Oh well, yeah, and everybody that's that's uh, the the videos, the the iPhone, the phone videos have made a big difference because it's so much easier to just post a video from your hunch. You got to go back and edit it and load it down on a computer. You just send it right there, and these people are seeing us shoot right. them. They see us and all these other guys shooting them just over silhouettes, and they're like, you know, we need to try some of that. And lot, we've had a lot of guys that's on the public hunts that talks about using the dive bombs. You know, we, use, we we've got five mm-hmm. dozen dive bombs. We've never used them before. We, you know, we went out and bought five or ten dozen, and it's not a huge, huge investment, and it don't take a lot to store them. And you you know, you can throw a couple bags on your boat with you if you're boat hunting, and you got ten dozen silhouettes right there. You got to spread, yeah, and they work good. But I, I think it's the initial getting over the fact that you've got to have you can't that skinny decoys don't work, and they do. And once they use them and they do them, they're like, how many guys on hunts that use silhouettes? They're like, that's all we're putting out of silhouettes. Yeah. And then when it's over, they're like, gosh, almighty, we used to go to so-and-so to hunt, and we took an, you know, two hours to put a spread out and blah, 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 and it's easy. And there's a lot of times in the mornings you guys got the spreads out, and y'all are sitting around waiting for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just so much quicker. Okay, uh, last week we talked – evidently we can't give this fucking dove hunt away. No, we're doing it – we're going to – are we doing it tonight or yeah. tomorrow? I thought oh. we said we're going to do it Tuesday at 5. Oh, we're going to do it with Clay Reed? I think so. Okay. Well, so never that way, mind. that way we got one more – day before anybody gets okay. in and it'll I've, be out I've on still, friday okay well i've got all these names loaded up so um we'll give everybody i didn't i didn't realize that i yeah. I, I was working too hard i think we said, up all i these think names. we said that we, we were going to do it on co- on, we co- did. on cody's at one time but did then we? we said we were going to do it on tuesday on clay's i will do it with clay we'll just wait and do it that way and that way they get one more day to enter so it. you have uh you've been fair warned we're gonna with we got clay reed coming in studio so if you want in, you got just a couple more days. Jeff just gave you a stay of execution because I got all the names loaded up in a random name generator from Facebook and Instagram. So uh, if you're wanting in on that, it is for the morning of September 1st and September 2nd. Lodging, no meals. Dove hunts, blah, 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 blah. Um, thank you to Cody Stokes. Thank you to Dive Bomb Industries. Uh, hell of a product and great customer service. So um, when those floaters drop, I'm telling you, if you want any, you better put your name on. Um, before we get off here also, go to Charles Beatty's Prince of Poachers and look it up and get that book. I'm telling you, I've had so many people ask me about that book. It's an awesome book. You won't be able to put it down. I mean, seriously, if you deer hunt or you're a hunter and it's just a, it's a story, you need to read the book. It's absolutely an amazing. It's not a Pulitzer Prize, you know. It's, it's not that kind of book. It's a book that you can't put down, though. It's something, it's it's a story, it's a real story, and it's very interesting. And um, go buy that book. Uh, what else we got going on? Anything you can think of? Nothing. I was about to hit the stop button. Hadn't rained in three days? It's been a week. No, it's been, it's, eight, it's June 10th, and it rained the first five days in June or something. Uh. I mean, but it hadn't rained in a couple of days, and we're glad. Drying out a little bit, get some crops planted. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Uh Coyote Man Clay Reed be with us on our next episode. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. God bless you all and have a great day.